Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you've enjoyed this sermon from our series, Wisdom for Life, a study on Proverbs. For more information about CBC, go to the website, cbcsavannah.com. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, as we come to your word and we speak about words, I just ask that your spirit would fall on us this morning, that he would speak to us, that he would be clear so that we would understand and know what you're calling us to do. Lord, I ask that you would do a work in us through your word and through the truth of your word that only you can do. And this is such an essential issue that we'll talk about this morning, Lord, that we, 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 we need to grasp it as a church and as dads and as moms and as, as uh, men and women in the community. We just we need, need to grasp it. And so help us. Help me. Give me the words. Add to or take away anything that I was planning on saying, Lord, because I want you to speak to your people uh, for your glory this morning, and I, and I can't do that on my own, so please help me uh, and help us to hear and to do what you have called us to do by your, by your spirit and for your glory, Lord. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Have a seat. All right, we have been in a series on Proverbs. We've called it Wisdom for Life, and really what we've been talking about is just what does skillful living look like? Right, what is, we've, we've looked at the beginning of wisdom is the, is the fear of the Lord. We talked about pride, anger, friendship, work. Um, today, we're going to talk about something that really, uh, as far as sheer numbers go, the Proverbs probably speaks on this topic more than any other topic. Over 125 times in the Proverbs, this topic is mentioned, and it's the topic of our words, of our speech. And the irony is I'm going to try to use as few words as possible, all right, because uh, at the end of the service, we're going to take about five to ten minutes to kind of you know, just kind of get you some plans for the next couple of weeks as we kind of transition into the new facility. And so I got to be quick because last night I was like 15 minutes too long. So you better buckle up and let's roll. All right. Uh, uh, what we're going to talk about real, the average person in one, just one year fills up if, with just your words, you could fill up something like a hundred books that are filled with 200 pages or more. I mean, we just talk and you're like, no, I don't talk. I'm like, Mr. Haiku, I like seven words or something like that. Now, we all talk. And, and with, that, with all those words, there's a lot of potential for a lot of blessing. There's a lot of potential for a lot of cursing, right? And I'm not talking about swearing, y'all. I mean, you got issues with that. That's another struggle. But that's what we're talking about. Your mouth being something that builds or destroys. And there's a lot of potential there. So as a church, we just want to talk about what it looks like to skillfully use our mouths, Right, to, to be builders and not destroyers. And Solomon has some things to say. So where we're going to go real quick is I'm just going to kind of two foundational principles for us when we talk about speech and then hopefully give you four or five just kind of practical things we can think through as we move into worship and then talking about our new building. So uh, here's the first one. Here's kind of a key verse on, on speech in the Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That is, that's a strong statement. Death and life. I mean, those are kind of significant things, right? I mean, I mean, it's not breakfast and lunch, all right? It's death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. And he's talking about the potential 
of your words. And really, here's the first kind of thing we need to establish this morning, is that words are powerful. You just need to understand the power and the potential that you have in your mouth to build or to destroy, right? And all the little ditties that we write and create, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue. Anything I, you say, bounces off me, sticks to you, all right? Sticks and stones, break my bones, words never hurt. Somebody who's deaf said that. Because it does. And those are no help. And those, we can't just throw those out there and help our Here, kids, you're rubber, they're glue. You know, it, it doesn't work. Because words are powerful. Right? They destroy, they build. Um, here, here's another proverb from, from Solomon. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, a jab, a slash. Right? It, it's, de- it's devastating. Right? It can devastate. In this country alone, last year, just did some reading this week, 160,000 kids stayed home from school at least one time because of bullying. Hundreds and hundreds of children took their own lives because of bullying, primarily on social media. It's the power of words. It's, it's it, destruction. Some of you, you can remember the place, the time. It was just one time, but that loved one, that parent, that somebody just said those devastating, crushing words to you. You remember, right? I don't know if you guys realize this, but I'm kind of short, all right? And so going through high school when you're like three feet tall and in ninth grade, you're, you're still kind of singing in the Vienna Boys Choir and everyone else is like, man, you know, that's not an easy place to be. And I can still remember the one kid, Peter Dinger, who would ride me. He would, I mean, I, I don't know where he is today, but I hope he's a little bit in pain. Okay, that's, that's how bad it is. Okay. But I can, this, this guy in the locker room in class was relentless. And it, I still remember it 30 years later. Right, 30 years. I don't remember anything else from ninth grade. I remember that. Because words are powerful, right? They can destroy, but the, but the proverb also says they can bring healing. And we've been there too, right? There's been refreshment that I love you, that I'm proud of you, that you made a difference. You can do this. Those are life-giving words. Those are life-altering words. That you're, do you realize that James says that your, your words have the power to change lives, to direct like a, like a ship is directed by its little rudder, like a, a big, powerful horse is directed by a little bit, that is the power of your words. Think about the power of these words by the Lord Jesus. Is no one there to condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more to the prostitute, to the adulteress. Those are life-changing words, life-altering, right? I, I can remember still. I mean, again, the little, little places that God has come, my Ebenezer, so to speak, of life. When me and my family, were, we were, Sarah and I were praying about, should we go to seminary? Should we do all these things? I don't know. And, and kind of wrestling with that. I don't like school. I certainly don't, you know, want to study anymore. I mean, we're wrestling with all that, not knowing what to do. And I taught a, a Friday night Bible lesson for the high school kids. I don't even remember what it was about, but I'm sure it was awesome. Uh, but, um, <laughs> and so I go out to the car, and there's a little note in the car from, from a lady named Marlette Stancil, who was an older lady who was kind of 
serving in, in, in that ministry. And it just was just filled with encouraging. You need to do this. God has gifted you. It was a life-altering, life-affirming word that, I mean, who knows if, if we, what we have done if we didn't have that kind of affirmation. And that's, that's what you need to see. And here's why I want you to get this. This is why I start here, that words are powerful. Because we talk about all these other things in the church. We talk about adultery and homosexuality, all these things, as if that was just like the worst of the worst. I promise you this, more families, more companies, and more churches have been destroyed by the power of the tongue than by any adulterous affair. I promise you. And, and the way the enemy will get this deal, will maybe get some of y'all, false teaching is probably not going to be our big struggle because there's enough of you that are solid that if I start saying something wacky, you're going to fire me and you should. All right, so that's probably not the area. But you know where this thing will get brought down is by some of you being slanderous gossips. That's how it will get brought down. By you dividing and division and arrogant. And that's how this thing gets destroyed from the inside. That's why Satan tries to do that every time from within. And so that's why this is so important, right? Some of you are on the verge of destroying your kids, destroying your marriage, that your, your office, your, your, your you know, apartment is just a mess because you, you needed to understand the power that you have to build, but also to destroy. It's huge. Here's the second principle real quick, is that your words are revealing. They are a litmus test of what is going on in your soul. And you want to know what's in your heart? Your words. And this is what Jesus says. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Why? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth does what? Speaks. So your mouth speaks what is in your heart, which should be super humbling and sobering to us because we feel like, I, I've said things this is weak. And I'm like, why would I even say that? Because your heart is wretched, Bill Fowler. That's why you would say that. It's just, it's just a mirror into your soul that we need to understand. And so someone shares this great thing that's happened in their family. My kid got into Georgia, right? Whatever it is, I got a new car. And if you cannot enter into that celebration with them and, you, and you're like, well, you know, I'm kind of a Georgia tech guy. I'm kind of a Honda guy. I know you got to tell you. If, if you have to kind of one up, that shows that your heart, there's something wrong. It, it shows jealousy in your heart. If you hear that like delicious morsel of gossip of what's going on in their life and what's going on over here and, that's, and, and you enjoy that and you move into that, instead of, you know, quenching that, it shows that maybe your heart, you're not super trustworthy because you're just going to go spread whatever you hear. It reveals your heart. If there's constant exaggeration or criticism on the other side in your own life and you're one up or you're always, everything is wrong, there may be revealing some insecurity you have in your heart. Or maybe some arrogance. It's, 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 it's to your, in your heart. You're always exploding. You're always blowing up. Well, I'm just tired. I'm just stressed out. Yes, you were tired. Yes, you were stressed out. And you had an angry heart and you blew up on that person. It's just revealing the heart. And we, this is why we all have areas to grow here. No, if anyone tames the tongue, he is a perfect man. That's what James says. Anybody perfect? Okay, good. I didn't give you a chance to respond because you're not. Okay? <laughs> so that's the idea. And so we all have room to grow here. And this is why we, we, don't, we focus on the heart. This is what the proverb says. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart. Pay attention to your heart. From it flow the springs of life. And so it's constantly a heart check. That's what it is for us. We're just constantly checking our heart. Where's our heart at? Where's our heart in this? And, and that's, 
That, and this is, here's why I start here, y'all. And you, I could have easily just preached a sermon. Here's five things to do and be kind and be nice. We are not looking for, as a church, behavior modification. Anybody can be nice. Any of us can kind of put on a smile and fake it. We all do it all the time, right? You go, you're going, you know, you're in the minivan with your spouse and you're, you're at, it's on. And you're going to meet friends, and you're, you're in the parking lot. As soon as you walk into the Outback Statehouse, you're like arm around. Hey! You can fake it great, y'all. I know you can. So we're not looking behavior modification here. We're looking heart change. Because when the heart changes, the mouth will change. And, and that's, that's what we're looking for here. Right? And what drives the heart ultimately is, is identity issues. Most, most of our speaking issues are rooted in the heart, and most of our heart issues are identity issues. And so here's, what, here's how it works. Your mouth is driven by your heart. Your heart is driven by your identity. So if my identity is my kids and, and being the best athlete, the best on the soccer team, what's going to happen when that kid is a threat to my kid? And you've seen this if, you've, if you have kids in sports. You've seen that mom she is going to do everything she can to undermine you, your kid. She's going to kiss butt to the coach. She's going to do all this stuff because her identity is in getting her kid the scholarship for soccer, which I don't even know if that's a real sport, y'all. I'm just telling you, okay? <laughs> but, but I saw I offended somebody already. That's good. But the point is, the identity is rooted there and not in, in Christ. If it's in relationships, it's, it's, if it's in the being the best in, at the office, I'm going to be the best pilot. I'm going to be the best engineer. I'm going to be the best designer. And this guy's a threat to me. What am I going to do to him? I'm going to tear him down. I'm going to, others are going to be like, I'm going to be like, well, yeah, he does great work. But you know, I, I kind of think he steals his ideas from somebody. You're just going to cause doubt because there's jealousy. If you want everyone to like you and it's all about everyone being happy with you, what's going to happen when you see that person picking on that other person or slandering or gossiping, you're going to enter into that and join in instead of getting out. Instead of ending it. Why? Because you don't want them to think that you like that God. It's all about, it's, it's all rooted in you. In, my, in a false identity. When there's conflict, you're going to rally people to your side because you want people to be with you against them. And you're right and they're wrong. Right? This is why we talk about our identity being in Christ. Because who are you in Christ? This, Ephesians want it. Go right down the list. You are chosen. That you didn't choose God, that he chose you. That you were adopted. That before the foundation of the world, he predestined you to be one of his own adopted children through his son. That you are loved, that you are accepted. No matter what you do, whether your kids fail, whether you lose your job, whether you gain some weight, you are loved as much now as you ever will be. How much are you loved? How much does God the Father love you? If you're in Christ, he loves you as much as he loves his own son. How accepted is Jesus to the Father? That's, ex how's, that's how accepted you are if you are in Christ. And this is why your identity is so important. So if my kids mess up or not, I, it do doesn't change my affections from God. My performance doesn't change God's love for me. So I can, I can be free to enter and rejoice. You got the promotion? Congratulations. Your kid got into Georgia, congratulations. That's awesome. That church over there is growing and doing great things. That is what we want to see. I can celebrate that. It frees me up to rejoice and enter in and be thankful instead of being angry and jealous and bitter, right? Because I'm not, I'm not gonna be dethroned from being a child of God. My status as a child of God is not in peril. 
And that's a beautiful thing. It's all rooted back in identity, though. That's why we talk about it. Right? And so here, just before we jump into just some practical things, you got to start with the heart. Ask yourself, what does your speech tell you about your heart? Are you angry? Are you jealous? Are you free to rejoice with other people? Do you feel the constant, just, you feel like you constantly have to point out everyone else's weaknesses at work, at, at church, at the class, in your community group? You're the expert on everything wrong in the world right? What, what does your mouth reveal about your heart? That's, that's just what we want to talk about, right? And we want to start here because it's, it's, your words are powerful and your words are revealing, all right? But we want to be healers, right? We, we want the springs of life to come from our mouth. And so let me just give you four, or five, I think I got five just kind of thoughts for when we, when we search our heart, five ways that we just ought to be healers with our speech, all right, and this is not a list. You do these five things and you're going to be the best. But just five things to think through. Uh, as we don't want to curse, we want to bless. As James says, you know, we, we've both blessed and cursed from the same mouth. My beloved brothers, it's not, not to be that way. We want to have our mouths be refreshing. So let me just give you five things. Here's the first one is be careful. If, if the, your words are so powerful, you ought to be careful with them. I mean, this is like, it's like nuclear power. It's great, and it's efficient, and it's powerful, but at the same time, if something goes wrong, you, your brain gets melted, all right? It's, it's kind of a great power, great destruction, just like nuclear power, and so you, you don't just throw plutonium around. It goes in the flux capacitor. It doesn't just get thrown around, right? We, we take care. We're cautious. Be careful with your words, and the irony is the people that we're, we usually are the least careful with our words is those we should be the most careful with our spouse, with our kids, with our roommate, with our brother, the guy in our community group. We'll say things we would never say at the office. We'll yell at our kids, and we'll be harsh with our kids, and we'll never say that to anybody else. And that's, we need to be careful. We need to, to, to be appropriate. I love this proverb. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. It should fit. It should be appropriate. Timing should be right. All right? Here's another great proverb. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Okay, just because it's true and good doesn't mean it's good timing. In my house, one of us is a morning person, moi. One of us is a night owl, not moi. If I wake my wife up at 5.30 to tell her how beautiful she is, I wrote a poem, I sing a song, it's not going to be good. It's going to be a curse. Because timing is everything. So ask yourself these simple questions when, as, you, as we're thinking about being careful. Write these down. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Because singing a poem at 5.30 morning may be true and kind, but it sure ain't necessary. It's got to fit. It's a better time. It's after 10 to sing a poem, okay? But it, it, it's, that's huge. You know what sometimes, you know what's fitting sometimes? It's nothing, right? And men, you, I mean, if you've been married one day, you should know this. <laughs> and I did it last night again. I mean, I've been married almost 17 years, and I still want to talk instead of listen, instead of saying, 
I try to solve problems. I'm a problem fixer. I got your problem, honey. 30 seconds or less. Here you go. Give me five bucks. I mean, that's the way I am. But sometimes, again, Proverbs 17, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Sometimes the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut. Oh, that's right, girl. <laughs> because you're deemed intelligent. And so it's, it's got to be appropriate. It's got to fit. One, I let, read a great blog by Elisa Turkhurst. Again, I try to read from women's perspective anytime I'm, especially when I'm talking about. And she had this, she had this great blog where she said her, one of her friends, and she's kind of a big wig in, in women's ministry, and so she's got a lot of people in her lives. But one of her friends came up to her and said, I want to tell you something. I will never gossip about you. I will, I, anything you tell me, I will never tell anybody else. You have a confidant. She, that was a great encouragement, that she would be careful with anything she heard, that she would be careful with anything that she heard out there. That, that'd be a great thing for some of you to go maybe to your best friend, maybe to your, maybe to your, uh, you know, your roommate. You know, I, if I ever hear anything, I, will, I promise you that I will never gossip about you, that you would go to your spouse. Honey, I, I will never on purpose, dishonor you in front. The guys are talking about their, their wives at the office and they're slain. I promise I will never enter that conversation. I will never dishonor you. Teenagers, you would go to your parents. You know what? Some of my parents speak about my parents and they just kind of, you know, mom, I, I don't always agree with you, mama, but I promise I will never publicly disrespect you like that. So that's being careful. That's what we're talking about. Those are words that heal. Here's another one. Be gentle with your words. And I don't have to spend a lot of time here because we've talked about it. But a soft answer, Proverbs 15 once, turns away anger, turns away wrath. And this just works, y'all. I'm not trying to be uber pragmatic, but it works. Someone is yelling and giving you the business, and you just, you're right, I'm sorry. The neighbor writes a letter about your dog and what you do and blah, 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 and they leave it anonymous and they put it on the door, right? And you want to write it back. You know who wrote it. There's only three people on the street. And only one of them uses pink pen or something, right? I, but you instead, you know what? You're right. I'm so sorry. We'll keep, we'll keep our dog as best we can in our yard. And he's, I'm sorry. It's just your, your greatest opponent will, you'll, will be broken down. I'm telling you, my worst parenting moments where I've exasperated my kids the most is when I have lost my temper, right? Instead of my kindness, like God's kindness, leading to repentance. Something I need to work on. Some of us do, is, is to be gentle. Here's the third one, be truthful. And this is beyond just like tell the truth. I mean, that obviously is true. If your wife calls, where are you at? Well, I'm on the car, and you're just packing your stuff up. I mean, beyond half-truths like that. I mean, just being truthful, like when you hear gossip and slander, that, that you don't throw gas on that fire. Because some of you are great at, you know, kind of, you're the, you're the recruiters and you're getting everyone on your side. Some of you are way too easily recruited. You're brought into that deal and you just welcome yourself in. Instead of saying, you know what, I know them. It doesn't sound like something they would do. Have you talked to them? You need to go talk to them. Don't tell me, go talk to them. That you would be truthful in that way. That's how, I'm telling you, that's how we, we squelch the evil one, the slanderer. Go talk to that person. Don't go talk about that person. Right? Don't exaggerate. You're not as good as you said you were in high school. I promise. None of you were. So don't, don't you know, and you don't need to impress us. You don't, certainly don't need to impress the Lord. Right? When you mess up, don't make excuses. Own it. Dad, I didn't 
study like I should have, and I got a C minus. It wasn't the teacher's fault. One the kid next to you was loud. I just didn't do my job. I'm going to do better next time. There's something respectable about that. There's something healing about that. Just be truthful to your customers. Well, I, you know, it's some, somebody didn't ship the right thing. You know what? We just misplaced it. I'm sorry. We'll get it taken care of as soon as possible. It's just truthfulness. It's healing, right? Don't, don't flat, be a flatterer, right? A lying tongue hates victims. A flatterer. What is flattery about? It's about me. I want to tell you something good so that you like me. That, that's what flattery is, right? Be courageous to, if you see people, and I, I want you to be cautious here because some of you think you're the fourth member of the Trinity, and so you need to be like telling everyone what they're doing wrong, and I'm not saying that, but if you see a brother that is in a, in a path to destruction, you say, hey, you, you, don't, you tell him the truth. Well, he didn't ask me. Do you love him? Hey, Bob, I haven't seen you at church in about a month. You, you doing okay? Right? You, you and the girls are going out to see what movie? Magic Mike? You think that's a good idea? Maybe you should go see the Minions instead. <laughs> I, just speaking truth takes a little courage. Honey, the way you talk to the kids, uh, that, was, that was harsh. Are you, you know, you, buddy, you, you, when you said that, you did that, you hurt my feelings. I don't want to tell you, I don't want to tell other people. It takes courage to do that. It's truth, but it brings healing, right? It brings healing. Even, even some of you need to start preaching truth to yourself because this is one of the ways, just in doing a little bit of counseling, seeing some of the, the enemy is attacking some of y'all and he's t- getting you to buy lies about yourself that you're just, that you are what you've done. So you were an adulterer. So that's what you are. And you had an abortion. You're an abortion. And you were a drunkard. And that's what you are. If you're in Christ, that's not what you are. You are a child of God. And so you don't need to listen to the enemy telling you how worthless you are. You are not worthless. You are forgiven if you're in Christ. So cling to the gospel. Cling to what Christ has done for you. And you tell the enemy to flee. So you need to preach truth because it heals. Preach it to yourself. Two more. And I don't have time to go to this. I'm sorry, because I'm running out. Be a builder. And what I mean about that is, is you just want to build people up. That should be the goal. Anybody can tear down. And it takes a lot more time to build than to tear down. Do you realize that? My kids spend hours on these elaborate Lego things. I can crush it in a half a second if I want to be Godzilla. But it takes hours to build it. It's the same with people. I've been reading Steve Jobs' biography by Isaacson. Great book. I highly recommend it because he's an interesting cat. And he had the ability to not only to get the most out of people, but to crush people at the same time. And he did them both. And I'm thinking, I would rather be this side where he got the most out of people so we get these great things called iPhones. Right? Because he could motivate or he could destroy. We need to be motivators. As long as it's still taught today, we encourage one another. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of sin. And so instead of, here's some thoughts, instead of just thinking, wow, they did a great job, how about you tell them? And and be purposeful about thanking people. Look for opportunities to actually build. Don't just say, oh, that was nice. That was very good. Actually, look for opportunities to tell your kids when they do something that you maybe wouldn't, hey, guys, thanks for emptying the dishwasher. I know you do it every day, but thank you. Thank you for taking out the trash. Right? For helping your brother. For a while. Be, be purposeful about building, about telling people what they've done right. Not just what they do wrong. I'm not saying you, just, you never talk about what's wrong, but be more purposeful about building than destroying. About, to your spouse, honey, thank you just for dinner. I know you do it seven nights a week. Make lunches for kids, make breakfast. Thank you. Thanks, roommate, for 
sweeping up the foyer, not trashing the bathroom, for putting the seat down, whatever. Kids, do you real, especially you teenagers, do you realize how much your parents sacrifice for you? I'm not, time, money, taxi service, pair of shoes you want, the jacket you want, going to so-and-so's friends, $20 for a movie, car insurance, which none of you pay. Once in a while, just a thank you would be awesome. Yesterday, I took my little boy, little seven-year-old, we went over and we got Frosties. Got back in the car and he just said something so sweet. He said, thanks for the Frosty, Dad. See that? That's a building moment. That's what we're talking about. Be a builder, right? I, when I read, I think some of the most precious words when I hear, read the Gospels, you know, what? it just strikes me, I was reading it this week, is when God the Father looks down on God the Son and says, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased. That's, those are building words, right? Affirming words. So maybe some of you need to write a letter this week or sit on the end of a kid's bed or go on a date, right? Or make a phone call. But be a builder. Be a, we want to be a, I just want this place to be a place of building. Is there going to be time for reproof and correction and training and righteousness? Yeah. But it still should be done with the heart of a builder. And last thing. Oh, I'm sorry, just a couple of Proverbs to go along. Like, gracious words are like honeycomb. Thank you, Dad. It's sweetness to my soul. I love you. I'm proud of you. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Right? One more. Be a worshiper. And here's the last thing, and we'll, and we'll go to worship. It's one of the greatest healing things you can do with your mouth is to declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we do it in many ways. We're, we get to do it in singing. And this is one of the ways, y'all, we gather and don't watch church on TV is because you are proclaiming not only to the people next to you, but everybody in this room, what you feel about God. You're proclaiming it. And the guy next to you might be going through super struggles. And when he hears you belting a half key out of tune, but still belting, be thou my wisdom, it is affirming to his soul. And it is a way to heal. You know, another way your, your words can heal as a worshiper is just pray for people. I mean, legitimately. I'm not talking about our prayers and thoughts are with you. I mean, legitimately pray for someone. So when someone shares something with you, it's helpful to say, I'll be praying for you. That's great. But how about right then and there say, can I pray for you right now? My wife does this awesome. She does it on the phone. She does it in person. Can I pray for you right now? right? That, that's what we're talking about. We ought to see people in this church all the time, heads down, just walk around them. Don't mess it up, right? Because that's the kind of people we ought to be. Let me pray for you right now, brother. Let me pray for you. That's the most healing thing you can do. Or even just to tell people, to point people to Christ. Here's the last proverb of minimal worship. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures soul is, is wise. When you speak of Christ, it is the wisest thing you could do to your kids, to fellow Christians, to non-believers, you're pointing people towards the love of God. That is the wisest thing you can do with your lips. Someone told you, that's why you're here. It was a, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a middle school. Maybe it was a high school retreat. Maybe it was somebody in college. Maybe it was your neighbor. Someone told you and pointed you to Christ. Our lips should speak of the excellencies of him who called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So a wise skillful thing to do, and it's a healing thing, right?
Again, I go to James as we close. He says this, and this is the challenge because this is hard. The power of, 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 of our mouth, devastation or life. He says, brothers, you bless and you curse with the same mouth. These things ought not to be. And, and they are sometimes, but we want it to be less and less. I, my dream for our church is just to be a place where your homes, your dorm, you know, your barracks, that our speech is a, is a healing, has a healing nature to it. It's refreshing. It's not thrusts of the sword. That's something only God can do. And so what I want to do is you guys kind of come on up and we're just going to worship. And for the first few moments, just kind of sit, ask, ask yourself, what, what does my speech tell about my heart? And just kind of deal with that right there. Right? And just own that. And if you see anger in your heart, jealousy in your heart, just, just repent of it. Trust in Christ to, to forgive and, and, and move on and ask him to start using your lips as, a, as something of healing. Okay, that's, that's what we're talking about. Just practical. Maybe it's that letter that you need to write today, that phone call. Maybe you need to own that relationship that has been broken because of you. Maybe you've only done 10% wrong, they've done 90. But if you will move towards them in truth and, and own your 10, I, I, they will probably f- follow. Because there's healing this there, a soft answer. Just whatever God the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, just as a time to kind of just deal with that. And then we'll stand and we will shout it that he is God. He is our God. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for just quick opportunity to share about our speech. I pray that we would be a people of building, not destroying. I pray that we would be those who seek to encourage as long as the day is still called today. Use us, use our mouth. We know it's not the power of our own words, but it's the power of the Spirit working through us. And so please, uh, Holy Spirit, use us as your ambassadors. And I pray that you would just move now and just be showing each person in this room uh, what it is that they need to just kind of check their heart on. And as we sing, as we worship, uh, just be glorified as we bring healing words to each other, as we worship Christ. It's in his name we pray.